Welcome, Oncers. You have discovered the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. This is an unofficial podcast dedicated to the hit ABC TV show, Once Upon a Time. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff and Colleen Roney. Hello. Hi. Wow, what an episode. Yep, that was very, quite very, an very good. This is still Jeff and Colleen Roney, and this is the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. This is going to be our first thoughts about the episode entitled Nimue. Mm-hmm. And this is episode number 303. The show notes can be found at onceuponatimepodcast.com slash 303. We have a lot to go over, and Colleen is holding the dog. I don't know how long this is going to last and, and be good, but we'll She's we'll keeping see. Keeping me warm. It's kind of cold. Okay. All right, so let's go ahead and jump in. There was a lot of huge reveals tonight. Yeah, there were a lot of things that we wondered about, and now we know. Mm-hmm. For instance, confirmation of things that were well, that were said. In previous podcasts, too. Correct. That's right. So That's a very fancy way of me saying I was right. Yeah. You're more right than me, I'll tell you. <laughs> I've, I've bet the farm on certain things, and it's just like it, it, it doesn't happen for me. But anyway, congrats on that. Hey, thanks. All right. So, first of all, the... The faux Rumple was talking about both halves, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excalibur and the Dark One Dagger, and he said it's power. Emma said it was power, mm-hmm. and he said it was history, mm-hmm. and then he said there was a promise fulfilled. And so the, throughout these, especially the last like five or so episodes, prophecies and half prophecies and half truths and all that, and this was one of the things of the. Excalibur and the Dark One Dagger combined again the way it was back when... uh, When it was uh, forged. When it was forged and then it was uh, broken Mm -hmm. later on. Mm -hmm. But uh, so anyway, I thought it was interesting that 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 was an important moment when it Mm -hmm. was rejoined together. Yeah, it was. So let's go to the next scene. It reminded me a lot of Lost when Ben... Ended up in the desert, mm-hmm, which was mm-hmm. a huge shock for oh, those yeah, of yeah, you yeah. who watched Lost. It was like, wait, desert? What's he doing possible? there? Yeah, how's what that the even heck? possible? And that's kind of what it reminded me of. Is the same color of dirt. Yeah. And so Merlin is running along with the guy that probably could have worn a red shirt because you know <laughs> whenever there's two or three or something, you you anymore, you go I. Who is that guy? Uh-oh. I don't know. And then it reminds me of the Sam Rockwell stuff. Character, of, yeah, from Galaxy Quest. Wait a minute. I need a name. Oh, no. You know. So, yeah. anyway, if, if you've never seen Galaxy Quest, you must see Galaxy Quest. Yeah, it's it is great, it's a great better movie. than it should be. Yep. So, then Merlin looks like he escaped from something. I don't know what he was before he was... Magical. It almost seemed like they were slaves or something, okay. or they, yeah, because I mean they were prisoners somehow because yeah. it looked like they had ropes around their hands. Yeah, it didn't say that it was back in the, you know, back in the biblical times or times before that when they're building. Yeah, we don't pyramids know. or something. I, I don't we know don't where know. they were. Anyway, we just know it was a thousand years before Arthur. Right. Hundred or thousand. I thought it was a thousand. Pretty sure it said a thousand uh, years before Arthur. I think it was hundred, but anyway, before and thousand. they saw. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hired someone to check on that, and it was a thousand years before Arthur. Oh, so look at that! Who 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 knew? Well, hey, I hey, didn't know. Hey, what's that phrase I like to hear? I hey, I'm telling you, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm not right about you have to understand details are my job okay so for the most part I pay attention to the details pretty pretty carefully well the magical thing is I take the copious notes well, and then, <clears throat> but you you do remember things so well, that's, but that's, yeah I'm not perfect and I make mistakes but I paid attention to that specific one because I right. knew it was pretty important so 
they see this mirage. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. It was again, it was like kind of a Star Wars. There's a glint mm-hmm. in the in the, the far away, mm-hmm. and then they go over to it and they see the rock, mm-hmm. which I would imagine that was the rock, possibly that yeah, was, was used, rock, yeah. maybe, mm-hmm. anyway, possibly used for Excalibur, perhaps. But these would they see this chalice, mm-hmm. which the, the only chalice I know that has any kind of importance like that would be the the Holy Grail, Holy Grail, mm-hmm. silver chalice, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And so then the other guy tries to drink from it, and he poofs like Excalibur mm-hmm. when the wrong person tried to pull out Excalibur. Right. So I figured it was kind of that same, some kind of mm-hmm. similar or something, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. So he died, and then Merlin looked up, asked for permission, mm-hmm. then drank from Excalibur mm-hmm. and became magical. Yes. And now we know that he is immortal. Yes. And that he cannot die, except later on we learn that by the hands of the Dark One, right. he can die. That's going to be a long night, folks. Uh <laughs> We've had to stop a number of times, and we had to stop again because the dog found a toy. (laughs) Anyhow, so... The only one that I actually saw this week. Yeah. And I thought I was going to be up late next week, but I have the day off after for next week. So, anyway, that's wonderful. (laughs) So, and what what was really cool is, you know, there are some mentions in, I think, a lot of great stories, but even in Mm -hmm. the Bible about there will be streams in the desert and kind of... Uh, lush meadows and and that kind of a thing. So, and we saw that happen. I thought that was really neat that he either thought it or he looked like he touched the ground and it 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 came to life. Yeah. It may have been a wish in his head. Yeah. Oh, you know, this desert's so horrible Mm -hmm. and I wish it were nicer and lush and green. And all of a sudden it started happening. And that's when he realized he had magic. And I, I wonder, I wrote this down. Merlin is chosen, and I said for what or by whom. I, I didn't know right. what why he was worthy. Maybe he was worthy because he did, you know, look up heavenward and ask for, he permission, asked for permission, and yeah. then he could drink. He from, didn't just take it, and yeah. he. I think it's also what was in his heart mm-hmm. <clears throat> because he wanted to help. Well, and that was the whole thing about Excalibur. He had to be pure of heart. And that really goes to the Arthurian legend as well. So Right, right, yeah. right. All right. <clears throat> so the I really enjoyed and I just I just want to quickly say this. It's just a lot of people don't like Hook and, and I, I don't understand why. <clears throat> I don't even want to belabor the subject, but it's like anyway. I really enjoyed Hook's monologue mm-hmm. because he cared about Emma and it was really he didn't want Merlin to kind of throw her into some kind of something because Merlin knows certain things about the future. I mean, right. Hook saw him magically kind of go in and know when guards are coming around the corner in the last episode and all this kind of thing. And now he's like, well, you know, I'm, you know, I don't know. And Hook finally said, look, man, she's, she's hurting right now. She mm-hmm. can't sleep. Right. She's making all these dream catchers to pull memories out of people, just kind of keep up with what's going on, and you can't give me a straight answer yeah. as far as what's going to happen and when and all that. And you're supposed to be this huge, you know, magical Merlin right. who knows all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I really, I, I enjoyed that moment because I think that's, you know, part of being a significant other, husband, that that kind of a thing is... You know, sometimes you have to step in and say, "No, whoa, whoa, hey, no." You know, it's it's one thing to be nice and kind of go along with things. Okay, it's better for the group or whatever. But anyway, I I really did like his monologue uh, for that. Me too. But and then there was another interaction with Merlin. He was talking actually to Hook, and he was kind of saying, "That's good. I, I understand why you're saying this." and he he did talk about the struggle, and he said the power that she has is a weight on the soul. Mm-hmm. And he said that love, if you can find it for, you know, the dark one, mm-hmm. is good. It, it can help. Mm-hmm. And it was really, 
it was really great that that, that those, those two kind of had that moment because you know I think that's going to come into play later. Well, it did actually. Yeah. It helped her make the right choice. Mhm. Because he gave her the ring. Yeah. Which he go and she's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." And he goes, "No, I'm not proposing. I'm just saying, look. <laughs> this helped me survive. I want you to at least have this and maybe help you make the right choice." And she did. Yeah. <clears throat> and it represented his love for her. And while it wasn't a marriage proposal, it was at least, you know, a token of love. Right. Right. Well, and I, I thought it was it was good because there's always these kind of we've seen a lot of witchery of, of things that represent people and stuff and mm -hmm. all this. And now we see something that. Really kind of harkens back to like American graffiti in the fifties, where you give a ring to someone as a, a point of no, we're we're going steady. This is serious. I'm I'm not putting a ring on your finger, but I'll let you wear my ring around your neck. I mean, there's songs written about sure. it and all sure. this kind of thing. So and there's a thing like a promise ring, which is yeah. I promise for now that we're together, and the promise of future right to come. This is a ring. I promise not to take the darkness and follow the darkness. I, I promise to to whatever. But we'll, she we'll did get not to make that. any such promise to him. We'll we'll get to that in, in a bit. <coughs> I I really thought it was interesting that Merlin was healing people. Yeah, which kind of harkened to a question asked later on in the episode: Can darkness be used for good? Mm hmm. And. One of the things that Merlin said throughout the episode, well, specifically to Nimue later on, is once you kill, once you're under the darkness spell and you kill someone, you're dark from that point on. But he was trying to be good and mm -hmm. use the magic that he had, not darkness, but the magic right. that he had for good. So we would consider that light magic absolutely and it kind of reminded me of you know some people could look and say well it reminded me of jesus using power for good mm -hmm. uh et mm -hmm. i mean there's a lot of different things of uh, beings with power that is beyond you know the physical realm that can help and it was funny that merlin told uh, the apprentice to go check on the brooms <laughs> i don't know yeah that's how so. i knew it was the apprentice he was a little boy yeah it was, I thought that was adorable. I was like, oh, my gosh, the apprentice is a little teeny boy. He was cute. Yeah. Hi, <clears throat> Timothy Weber, if you're listening. All right. Uh, so Nimue told a story about an evil man called Vortigon. Vortigon. Mm-hmm. Who is that also in the story? I believe or? that is part of the Arthurian legend, if I remember correctly. I don't happen to have my... Handy dandy information at my fingertips right now, but I'm pretty confident that, that is part of the Arthurian legend. Fortigan is a name I recognize very strongly, as well as Oxley, which we saw later on, which is oh, okay. um, kind of where her home was. Well, isn't that something from uh, Prince's Bride, Oxley? No. Something, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Oxley? Maybe, but not. Robin of Loxley. Robin of Loxley. Right. Not even close. <laughs> Not even close. See, that's why I have her here to help me. But Oxley is a, is part of the Arthurian legend. So okay. Yeah. So Nimue talked about this masked man who was evil and yeah. burnt down village and killed a bunch of people uh -huh. and, and that kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. So, and the, she made an interesting point. And, and what was interesting is that she came to see Merlin but kind of was kind of waiting around it didn't really kind of yeah, come she forward was, yeah. and Played so the shy. apprentice said look you know there's a looks like a lady's here to see you and but she hasn't like talked to you I mean what do you want to do and so he approached her mm -hmm. and the one thing that was driving her was revenge that was the first thing she said oh yeah I want revenge and you know that one of those things that I think probably Merlin was wrestling with, I don't want to use this for revenge. But then she says something interesting. She goes, I have these flower seeds from the flowers that grow around the, yeah, the my village. 
that's how they got to be there. Right. Because they only grew around her village. And Fortigan burnt her village to the ground mm-hmm. basically before she escaped or after she escaped. Right. She turned around and looked and the whole thing is just, you know, in ruins basically. So. And so she <clears throat> said, I want these flowers to live on despite what he has done. Right. So. Because he he would have known that they grew specifically in that region. Mm-hmm. And for her, for him to see that they grew elsewhere, it would be, you know, kind of a slap in the face in her mind, her way of thinking. So Nimue, her outfit reminded me a lot of Bandit Snow for some reason. A little bit different, but anyway, lots of leather and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, So Merlin talked about that what they had to get to combine the sword was the flame of Prometheus. They had to go to mm-hmm. the f- first, the original fire. Yeah. So Prometheus stole fire. That's the Greek mythology. He As stole a, fire. He and, wasn't supposed to, and he stole it. Yeah. And because he stole it and learned how to do it, then it created all kinds of problems for man. And that was a great song by, uh, <clears throat> uh, I know, great band that I just forgot. Anyway, the original like fire. Rush? No, no, no. Uh, it was with uh, Chris Cornell. And, uh, oh. Anyway. All right, so. Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, have, I have taught you well, but that's not that. <laughs> Audio Slave, that's what it was. Okay. All right, so it was really neat that, you know, we've seen this kind of hero's journey over and over with Emma specifically. Mm-hmm. And so Merlin basically officially called her to this adventure. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just, well, we need to do this and this and that. And he was just very, I mean, she even said, your face looks really dire. What, What's going on? Which I thought was very interesting that she would use that word because that's not a normal Emma word. Right. And, and it wasn't a way of normal speaking. And that's one of my first clues that she wasn't alone in her own head. Mm-hmm. So... He he said, "Okay, look, we need to get this, you know, ember of uh, flame of Prometheus. But the problem is, is it's it's dangerous, and you're going to be opening yourself up to the original Dark One. And it's either going to go down one of two ways: mm-hmm. you're either going to succeed and be victorious over, uh, you know, I would say the temptation right. of going the wrong way." And, and being seduced by the the dark power and the darkness, or you're going to kill me. I, you know, that's yeah, there's one just of two a, ways. Two yeah. ways this is going to happen, and <clears throat> I, of course, hope for. And then she said, "Well, will we win?" And he said, "I, I don't know. Don't I can't, know. I can't. We'll have to see. I can't tell." And uh, you know, I mean, I I said this at the beginning, but there were. There were moments in this episode that I thought that this probably my favorite moments of all episodes ever mm-hmm. in Once Upon a Time, um, and, and we'll get to it. But it was just there's there's there so many really classical moments in this that I really I really did enjoy, and this was one of them. Mm-hmm. Is really kind of giving the odds, and then she goes, "Well, will, will we win?" He goes, "I, I don't know." You see, as someone who's watching, it's like, "Well, we got to see." I mean, I'm you know. Don't tell me. I, even if you know, don't tell right. me. Just let, let's do this. Right. And so we talked about Hook's ring, and then it was really cute that Emma at the end said, "I love you too." After yeah. all that little thing, he yeah. didn't say he loved her. He, he just, did. Well, he did. Don't yeah. forget, you have a scruffy, yeah, 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 back. pirate back here who mm-hmm. is waiting for you and who loves you. And she said, "I love you too." Okay, that's so he, right. Because he right. didn't say, yeah. "I love you." Yeah, she. It was he, kind of. It was. He almost, hit it at the end. He hit. He, he included he, it at the end, yeah. but it was basically it was mm-hmm. a roundabout way of saying "I love you." It was yep. just a long drawn out way of saying "I love you," and it was kind of very similar to "I love you." I know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's a lot of. Um, the sameness of uh, Leia and Han mm-hmm. with their Very relationship similar, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And it was really, it was f- interesting because I, we don't know what that ring. Where to get it. Where to get it. Is there magic in it? What does it My do? Guess is what no. is it? You know what I think it is? It's probably his mother's ring. Okay. I'm guessing it's either his mother's ring or his father's ring, maybe his brother's, but I, maybe he had a sister we don't even know about, but, I think it was. It means something to him, and I'm, I'm guessing it was his mother's. That's what I personally believe. But anyway, 
So once, and, and this is the kind of one I want to talk about for a little bit is that he drank from the Holy Grail and he became immortal. He being Merlin. Merlin. Mm-hmm. And then he was telling Nimue the story mm-hmm. and she said, well, because he said, look, I'm immortal. You're not. I love you. I, I want to marry you. But there's going to come a point when you're going to die and I'm going to live on. And he said the cost <clears throat> is there is a cost to immortality. Yeah. You know, and we already know this, that once once upon a time, you know, there's a there's a price for magic. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a cost for everything. Well, sure. How, there's a trade-off. How how do you how you live your life? The decisions that you make, what you do tomorrow, the day after, what what will you get in return for that? What's the cost for that? And and when you when someone tells you, "I will live forever," that's sort of there's part of it that you go, "Well, that sounds cool." Mm-hmm. I don't have to fear death. Right. And and I'm never going to die and I'll just live on forever. Mm-hmm. But the cost of that. And then he it really great. I don't know who wrote the uh, the, the script. I, I, I wish I would have checked. But anyway, yeah, it was I just it was really a great moment where he said life is full of moments and they're like diamonds, especially the moments I have with you. Mm-hmm. But if if we're immortal. It will be a sea of diamonds and they'll be worthless. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really started to think about that, you know, and, and, you know, there, there's little things, you know, the Bible and other kinds of things that, that life is like a vapor. It's here and it's gone. It just, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes we think, oh, well, this day get over with, but once a day is over, you can't get it back. And it's right. just, it, I really started to kind of think about what Merlin was saying is mm-hmm. that he said, I want... I want all my moments with you and I want them to mean something. And she kind of echoed back. It's like, yeah, but it, why don't we do this? Why don't I drink from the grail? Yeah. And, and we'll be both, we will both be immortal together. But then she said, I don't want my diamond moments with you lost in a sea of diamonds. I, I, I don't want that. And so it was kind of the going back and forth, but she already kind of gave a clue that I already kind of was waiting for. Yeah, so. it actually reminded me very strongly of a mo- of a scene in one of my favorite movies, um, Steel Magnolias, when Julia Roberts' character was telling Sally Field, her mother, <clears throat> why she was choosing to have a baby even though she knew it might uh, kill her. And she said, I would rather have 30 minutes of wonderful than a lifetime of nothing special. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I think he was saying is I'd rather have these small, short, very brief moments in time with you and have it be incredible than have a lifetime of just nothing special. I mean, it is kind of one of those things where, you know, it's it's a tough decision. There is an appeal to being immortal, to living forever, not getting old and not having any of these issues and having magic. I mean, yeah, it sounds great. But like he said, to sit there and watch, he goes, I <clears throat> I drank from the grill. That was 500 years ago. I right. don't age. I can't die. It's not it's not a picnic, you know. I sit here and I watch you and I marry you. I'm not going to age and I have to watch you decay in front of me basically. And right. that's that would be a really difficult difficult thing to have to deal with. There is a cost to everything. I don't think there's anything in life that's free, really. I right. mean, we all talk about, well, there's things like no, a smile is free. Okay. But sometimes a smile can cost you like every ounce of energy you have. Right. When you don't want to give it and you know you need to. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. mean, and loving somebody, there's a cost to loving somebody. I mean, it's worth every little last penny. But at the same time, there's a cost. Mm-hmm. You're, there's a sacrifice that you have to make. And he recognized that. And I think that was one of those things of, you know, okay, there's this cost and it sucks. And well, I don't want to have to deal with this but at the same time i mean i there's no other choice there's no way around this and she understood that 
he was going to give that up for her. Yeah, he's and like, I got to take that away. And she's like, why would you do that? Why can't yeah. we both? See, do you know what that to me sounded very much like? Um, it honestly sounded like Adam and Eve in the Garden okay. of Eden. When <clears throat> Eve was basically, they were told, you know, you can have anything you want except for this tree right here. Yeah. What do you want most? Mm-hmm. The thing you cannot have. Yeah. And that was a first clue for me too. When she was like, why can't, why don't I just, you know, become immortal? I'm thinking she's got the wrong motivation. So completely wrong motivation. Yeah. He, he gained immortality, not because he wanted immortality. He gained it because he had the right heart, the right attitude. And he had apparently a servant's heart, in which case, you know, he was motivated by helping others and yeah. he used his gift to help others. Mm-hmm. Whereas she clearly just wanted it for selfish reasons. And that was why it was a bad idea. And instead of having an amazing immortal life, you know, I think what they're trying to kind of get us to see is make your three score and 10 mm-hmm. or 75 years or however many years Four that you live. Ten. You make your quote unquote short life amazing. Yeah. Do what, find what you can do, your destiny, what it is in you that's been put in you to do and do that to the best ability that you can do that. Right. And that will make your life amazing. And I think that's, that's what I kind of saw when I was yep. weighing the two out. Uh, switching gears, it was kind of f- funny. Zelina really, she's taken over the zinger funny comment thing <laughs> from Regina. And Regina had a couple she of good still ones. Has, but, she still but has them. Zelina was just really just amazing. So she was quite funny. She she wanted to be the one to the Senate to talk and not be. Anyway, she wanted to be the one that made most sense. Oh, it's so and then good she, to hear an, a sensible person right. speaking again. <laughs> and she wanted to help them. <clears throat> and strangely enough, we found out that while she was with them in the castle, she was plotting an escape. And then Regina said, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so the then Arthur created some kind of a goo that would melt the armor of the, the guard. So he figured, well, then that would melt the skin of... You know, and that's another thing is, look, I, I love this show and I love, the, the, you know, what Eduardo does and all this. But th- these are people that are running into battle and they're not wearing any type of armor at all. No armor. <laughs> just just running in with it. swords and that's great. But it was just kind of funny. They got Regina on their side. True. That's true. That's true. But anyway, I just kind of thought it was funny. And... The, I love Arthur's explanation when he was trying to explain what it was going to do. Give me your helmet. Give me your helmet. Now, the ladle and the cauldron have a protection spell, so they're immune to this thing. Right. But pretty much everything else isn't, which is funny because the table should have had a hole burn right through it. Right. So I think that's hilarious that it was kind of almost, to me, it was very comedic that he, you know, he was like a mad scientist running around that room. Well, yeah, shouldn't yeah, alien would have taught you that? You know, you get you get acid burning through, and it just burns through. It's going to burn through everything. Exactly, yeah, it's so. not going to. The table's not going to withstand that, especially a wooden table. Are you kidding me? So I thought that was kind of funny, but more importantly, I think it was hilarious that he was like this mad, frantic scientist running around, you know, using potions from a spellbook. I'm like, dude. You have a whole spell book at your at your disposal. Why are you bothering with trying to like pour heaps of goo on these, you know, acidic goo on your quote unquote enemies? Use the book to do other right. things. Really? I was actually surprised pleasantly that they didn't pour that stuff on a person and let them melt right there cuz, you know, that would be just a well, little is, bit over the line. This is a Game of Thrones, but they would do that with Game of Thrones. Uh, that's my point. Yeah. Game of Thrones would have been a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, it was kind of funny. And then Marion, trans, trans-induced Marion, like a little, what are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, she was just very, like. You know, you mean Guinevere? Oh, yeah, yeah not Marion. You're right. I did say Marion, didn't I? Yep. Yes, Guinevere. Guinevere was kind of 
trance-like. She was very, yeah. So as they were, and that's another thing is we have not heard any more about this uh, hill of stones or anything. We haven't been to the hill of stones. No, we haven't. So but that's Merida. Yeah, I know, I know, but I'm just, I, I'm just saying. I have a list of things when they mention certain areas. I'm kind of expecting to see it or go there or whatever, and we didn't go okay. there. So, but when they're going to this place where Prometheus fire was, right? Mm-hmm. They were talking, and Emma said, "So, there is there any hope?" And she said, "Okay." So they had a conversation. He said, "She said there is some hope," and then he said, "Well, well, I come back down." <laughs> that's yeah, the, yeah. That's oh, the and question. They had to climb up the mountain, basically. <clears throat> right. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So Nimue wanted to use magic to, and it was interesting. She said she wanted to give power to the weak mm-hmm. and strike down the powerful. Mm-hmm. But it never really left that whole idea of vengeance. Right. Now, look, her her village and her house was burned down. Family was killed. Mm-hmm. The guy with the mask came in there. It was a bad situation. Absolutely. But revenge... Is not the way to live your life. And, you know, so anyway, I just, we, we, we've learned that before, but she hadn't at this time. Exactly. So <clears throat> Zelina being hormonal, I was kind of like, okay. And then poor Snow was like, oh boy. Oh, okay. Snow, are you talking about Snow's guarding her at this point? Yeah. Oh, sure. I love the fact that they said, hey, Snow, do you feel like hanging back and guarding? And she's like, oh, it would be my pleasure. So now we see them, you know, sitting there and Snow's kind of baiting her a little bit and yeah. saying, you know, this poor son, you know, must be much more difficult with the pregnancy, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And then Zelina well, goes into this. you're still green or you're not green. Yeah. <clears throat> Zelina goes into the whole Oscar winning <laughs> fake cry performance. And I'm thinking, okay, so is she like hormonal? And then I started freaking out when she's like, are you in pain? Are you in pain? I thought she was losing the baby. Mm. That's what I thought was happening. I yeah. really was like. Kind of like, okay, she's losing the baby right here. And then what's going to happen? They're going to have to come out and help and they're not going to get where they need to be. But it was all a fake out so she could, you know. Kick snow over. Unbelievable. And tie her hands together. Wrong. We've seen so many people with their hands tied in this show. Well, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, and that was another thing is when Merlin drank from the Holy Grail, her his... Um, ropes around his wrist disappeared or fell off. Yeah, yeah. That was something else that happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. So when they got to the area in the flashback of the Flame of Prometheus, mm-hmm. Nimue and Merlin, it reminded me of the altar by the Lake uh, Nostos mm, mm-hmm, way mm-hmm. back yeah. in the day. And so by magic, he... By asking for permission, and with this fire, he turned the Holy Grail into Excalibur, which now yes. it makes sense why it would destroy someone who wasn't pure of heart. Right. That right. try to just grab it, and hold again, it, grab wrong, it, and yeah, remove it from. <clears throat> and um, then we see Nimue die. Well. Fortigan had followed them, which I knew right. was going to happen. I knew that was how she was going to quote unquote die because, well, I knew something bad was going to happen. And I was like, okay, wait a second. Was I wrong about the fact that Nimue was the dark one who put Merlin in the tree? And I thought, no, pretty sure she did. Pretty sure it was her. Pretty sure that's the whole conversation that they had. And then I thought, okay, well, what is it? Is this guy a real guy? Is he really the original Dark One? What's going on? So then he apparently overheard them talking about the fact that they were going to get the Holy Grail, which is exactly what we find out he was looking for when they ended up her, the ruins of her village. All the cups mm-hmm. were out in the middle of the street, right. and that's because he was looking for the Grail. Yep. Which... Yeah, that was a big thing. It was a quest. That's why, you know, villages were ransacked. So... He is looking for the Holy Grail, and when he overhears them talking, and she's like, are you kidding me? It's in 
my living room. Mm-hmm. And so then he knows all he has to do is just follow him and he'll get it. I love that Merlin was like, look, here you go. Cause he knew that if he grabbed it, it would kill him because he wasn't pure of heart. Right. And, um, well, yeah, she held on to it too, but it was it. probably after she drank from it. Possibly. But why didn't it kill her? That's a good question. Maybe did she have gloves on when she touched it? I didn't see, but that's a, that's a did. question I got. So. I thought she did, but anyway, point is, is that somehow she managed to drink from it. Which, when she pulled it out, he said, check it. Make sure it's still there. When he had his back turned, I'm like going, oh, dude, that's never a good idea. Right. That is just, don't, no, 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 no. First lesson, but then he wasn't a dark one. So first lesson, don't turn your back on the thing that gives you your power, basically. And, or don't let it out of your sight. He did. Because he made the point. It's the first time it's ever been out of the castle. Okay, well, this is why you have a problem here, Sparky. So then they ended up over at the Prometheus Flame after that, and that's when Fortigan catches up. And sure enough, it's him, and I'm like, wait a second. He's got that mask on, so what the heck? And I thought, well, was he really the dark one, the original dark one? And then when his mask got taken off, what did you think? What was your first impression? Well, it looked like Zoso to me, but... No, 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 well had a similar appearance in some respects, but do you know what I immediately thought of the minute that mask came off? Well, Vader. Stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anakin and Vader. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and well, again, that was a, that was a perfect example of what I had been saying was that it's her. She's the one. Well, yeah. Once you have a mask or, or something like that, you can hide almost anything. And so absolutely. that's basically what, absolutely. They, what they did. They did. But I love that they explained how she became the Dark One, which when when he killed her, I was like, wait a second. How is she the Dark One? Because mm-hmm. it's got to be. I mean, that right. just doesn't make any sense for her to not be. I mean, it's just too obvious to me. So um, when they showed the whole thing of this Fortigan guy. Right. Getting killed by her. I'm like, so- aha. So then, well, we'll go to the, we'll go to the flashback and or the flash forward, mm-hmm. the present. Mm-hmm. And so Merlin was there, and handed Emma the dagger mm-hmm. and said, and she said it's it's buzzing. It's like a ants going up my arm. And he said, well, now you have the power to kill me. Mm-hmm. So, and it's interesting to kind of think about this dagger as it calls out to you. And it, it, it has a lot of really interesting properties, if you really kind of think about all the sure. different things that it has. And so then we do find the reveal that uh, Nimue drank from the grail. and But Nimue f- failed and used the, dar- the magic that she got and the power that she got for uh, revenge. Mm-hmm. And she killed and she crushed the guy's heart. Right. So she failed. She absolutely failed. But what's interesting about later on, Emma did not fail. Nope. Because she was being tempted by Nimue. No, no, listen, you know, don't kill him. Kill Merlin. Do that. And it reminded me of of the Star Wars trilogy. Sure. You know, the, the influence of Palpatine. You know, Anakin, you know, strike him down, kill him, kill him, kill him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And but Emma finally, you know, and I, I, I teared up when Emma said, I'm not nothing because yeah. she was trying to kind of goad her into it. Don't let them tell you what to do. They made that sword to control you and you won't be controlled and, you know, take the power. And you can do this and this and that. And she finally they, just snapped. Yeah. She, well, you're. Don't let them see that you're nothing. Right. It's like, what? Yeah. And I think that was the most perfect thing she could have said is I am not nothing. I never was nothing. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that 
this is very different from Emma season one or even parts of season two where she felt abandoned, like she wasn't loved, like she wasn't cared because her parents, you know, had done what they did to her when she realized even after when she knew the reason why they did it, I think she it took her a long time to feel that she was worth something in that that it wasn't that they did it because they didn't love her they did it because they did well and and all the reveals you know the the whole lily incident absolutely and all that kind of thing yeah and all these different things she now knows i i would think almost the entire story now yeah and so she's not a lost girl nope she's not uh, um, abandoned she's right. not alone and yep. now she knows mm-hmm. that she's not nothing it's interesting when you have influences sort of like that like maybe a voice in your head mm-hmm. you know that 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 oh you're not worth anything and and all that kind of thing and if you really buy into that mm-hmm. i mean it can it can take you down paths that you you definitely don't want to go and that's what's great about you know, your friends and family and support groups and, you know, church or community or, or, or whatever around you to mm-hmm. kind of help that disengage that process. Because, you know, you no one is nothing. No one is nothing. Right. And it was really, really great that she didn't bend to that. Because she was getting that kind of rat-a-tat pretty hard. And it, and it was interesting. It was kind of like, you know, we've talked on this podcast about samurai movies. You know, when when the person who's going to, sent to kill the big bad guy, he has to go up this hill. And up this hill, he has to beat the underlings. And mm-hmm. each one gets more and more and more difficult. And sure. I don't think Emma has seen the most difficult baddie yet but she's really kind of moving because she moved past rumple yeah and now she's moved past nimue she's not and past so, nimue but but at this point she chose she, the right at this thing point, you're right at this point she is and it's not just nimue she chose all the ones in between right. nimue and rumple right right I mean, think about it that's a lot there were a lot of names on that and one of them was gorgon Mm-hmm. I caught that one. I didn't catch any of the other ones besides I saw Emma. Zoso. Well, besides yeah. Zoso, right. Rumple, Emma, Gorgon, and Nimue. I, there were mm-hmm. others in between, and I, it was just very, very quick and rapid and very challenging to see that. But you could tell there were a lot. And then when they all appeared to her at the end, that's when it was <laughs> kind of like, whoa. It is one of those things when you have these voices in your head or these, you know, haunting things from the past it's your own insecurities a lot of time sure, and i think sure. that's what we're facing here is that you know these voices are just these insecurities that she's she's dealt with growing it's, up it's easy to fall back into this type of you know feeling bad for yourself feeling mm-hmm. sorry for yourself sure. feeling like no one cares about you and 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 that you're worthless it's easy to fall back into that it's mm-hmm. difficult to break through that and say no that's not true because you know a lot of times we listen to things and we just kind of buy into it and mm-hmm. all that but she really it was, it was one of those moments that reminded me of when Cora had been basically doing the same thing to her. Love is weakness. Love is weakness. Love is yeah, weakness. Yeah. You know, and, and some people kind of, the more they hear something, they just kind of accept it as truth. Yeah. And it's true. when Cora tried to rip her heart out, she couldn't. Right. And Emma finally said, no, love is strength. And it just blew her away blew from Cora her away from because. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the truth. Yeah. See? And it was just so, such a great moment when Emma stood her ground and didn't fall to the voice and didn't fall into that influence and said no. And, you know, so it was kind of like, you know, there are stories about the the evil influence that says it went away for a while. Mm -hmm. And that's what really happened when Nimue said, Mm -hmm. I'll leave. But I'm going to be right in your head. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of this kind of 
unfortunately, stuff that we struggle with and wrestle with is in our head. Right. And and you know, we just got to say no. And it's And this is exactly hard to do, but this, you have to do this it. is honestly exactly what Rumpel was talking about when he was kind of crazy last season. Yeah. And yeah. you know, Neil was in there and Neil voice of reason being, you know, and goodness being in there with all that negative would have been really difficult to try and hear. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It would have been really crowded and it would have been very difficult to hear that. <clears throat> and then speaking of Rumple, he's the only dark one who has ever survived being a dark one. Right. And I guess the thing I'm kind of wondering is why didn't he try and rejoin the sword and the dagger? It was almost kind of like... Because it, he probably didn't think he could get to it. But he right? went to Camelot. I mean, you well, know, we think he did. We don't. Well, that's what that's what he Bell asked him. How did things go at Camelot? Well, no, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, he may not have been anyway. Who knows? So, but but what I do think is, is that he was looking to to do something different with the hat. That was the whole point. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is an interesting question. Why didn't he try to do this? Maybe he did, and he didn't have the ability to do so. There was an uh, interesting moment. Um, the there's an Obi Wan um, speech that Merlin was having, and and uh, with Emma, and said, "Why didn't you tell me?" Mm-hmm. And so anyway, there, there's a number of things tonight. Oh, very much so. Uh, oh, when lot, he was talking, when they were talking about the fact that she realized Nimue was the dark one that killed. Right, right, right. So it's very much like, you know, well, from a different point of view, they, I mean, they didn't say that, but it was. No, no, no. But it was, you know, it was exactly right. like, why didn't you tell me that Vader was my father? You said he killed mm-hmm. my father. Right. He did. He killed the man he used to be. And that's exactly what happened. I sure. mean, it was lifted right out of star Wars. Yeah. So, so, um, which again, I was, right. I know, I know. And I, I'm married to you. So that makes me sort of right too. You're right. Okay. Adjacent. So it, um, it's easy to live with the darkness if you dress it up as vengeance. And mm-hmm. that's what Merlin was saying is that, if you if you put a mask on it, mm-hmm. you can make darkness look like anything. Sure, like it's the right it. thing. You can hide do. it. Yeah, but it's still the darkness. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was uh, kind of fascinating. And we did talk about the question: Can you use darkness for good? Right. And th- then I asked. I, I wondered because they did. We see the scene of uh, Merlin and the apprentice kind of breaking well preparing the dark one dagger to be completely separate from the uh, Excalibur sword and then they put it in the uh, stone and then he mentioned someone who is worthy to hold that much power and I wondered who that person would be that worthy to do that Uh, well well, one of the points we forgot to talk about just a moment ago was the fact that who broke the sword and yeah 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 so it was uh, was Nimue in she broke anger. it. She broke it. Not not in anger. She okay. broke it because she said, "See again." She didn't think this through. She knew that he was going to use the sword to cut the cut the magic out of himself. Mm, right, right? right. It was going to take the magic away. And so she she trapped him. She trapped him as yeah as a magical being, and she trapped him in the in the, in the tree. But right. but. What was interesting is that I'll bet you that was the message mm-hmm. that he was trying to send when Henry called yeah, him. Right. Because he knew Nimoy had found him because he got led out into the middle of that you know, field and meadow and that's when he became the tree. So, but I do believe that um, she didn't think it through because if she had thought that through, she wouldn't have broken the sword in the first place because what happened? The sword was broken. The fir- the top half of Excalibur was put into a stone and the bottom half was made into a dagger to control her. 
Right. Big mistake. Right. That was a big mistake on her part. And it'll be interesting if they show, don't know if they will or not, but it'd be very interesting to see how she, as the Dark One, was destroyed. And well, who, yeah, she had to be destroyed because that, that, order, that to order. pass on to the exactly. next dark one. Exactly. So who did it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll show. They might. But it'll be interesting to see because it wasn't Merlin. He wasn't about to do it. He was trapped in a tree anyway. But she got control of the dagger, and then that's how she trapped him in the tree. So I really there were a lot of failures and there were a lot of, well, not a lot, but there were some really good moments, you know, mm-hmm. when Emma chose the right oh, way, yeah. you know, and charming was trying to help Arthur mm-hmm. say, look, man, don't do this. Yeah. Emma is worth more to you as the savior. Just don't do this. Yeah. And of course, Zelina, you know, had to cook up the, uh, the old tethering spell. Mm-hmm. And then they brought, Merlin into the room, and I believe Merlin sent them back to Storybrooke. Very likely, and very I believe probable. that's how they got there. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure they were wearing the same outfits they were wearing when they got back, and they didn't seem to have. And I think he purposely took their memory so they wouldn't remember what happened. Yeah, because I think he was more worried that it would it would cause them grief. I still don't know what they did to Emma, though. But what? What? I mean, we don't even know. What I find interesting, though, is that how did Merlin know Zelina was basically? Magical, and all she needed was to well, have, the cu- have the the cuff removed. No, I, I thought she was talking about Arthur taking the cuff. That's off. That's what I mean, Arthur. Yeah. So how did Arthur get the cuff off? I he used know. Merlin's magic spells. Probably. But how did yeah. he know to do that? Well, and, and that was one of those moments where I thought we were going to see a magical Arthur tonight mm. because it was kind of like all eyes were on him, and I, yeah, I thought yeah. we were going to see something, but. Maybe not yet. No, he proved yet again that he's lost his ding-dang marbles. Yeah. He is off the reservation, way out in left field. He's he's um, he's blinded by that revenge. And so for him to actually get a hold of the dagger and destroy Emma and become the Dark One himself would be catastrophic, which he couldn't now. But right. Which we know, but anyway, but I was like that whole that whole episode with him and Merlin and the folks there. You could see when you know Regina basically froze him in times, you know, froze him in place, and they were talking. They're like, "Don't worry, he doesn't have magic." And then he smiled because he knew what was going on, and it was you know the whole Zelina thing. And I'm like, "Dang it, dang it!" Yeah. Well, and nothing's ever easy, you no, know, and, gosh, and people no. get so frustrated. And I said this, I always say this is drama. It can't be yeah. easy. And no, no, it, can't it, be, it can't be too easy. Otherwise no. it's boring. So. But, but that was very like, I'm like, okay, so how did he figure out? We'll right. hopefully see that. But then, you know, his whole treatment of Merlin was horrid. Well, I, I just want to say this too, is that what, what Arthur was going for was glory. Yeah. And that reminded me of uh, Indiana Jones. Yep. The Temple of Doom, Fortune mm-hmm. and Glory. Mm-hmm. And just bringing that up. and Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, Merlin said, you know, you were like a son to me. And that reminded me of Obi-Wan and Anakin. Mm-hmm. You know, you were like a brother to me. Yeah. You know, I loved you. What, yeah. Why are you doing this? Yeah. You, you were supposed to bring balance to the Force. And it's very similar yeah. to what we're talking about Merlin and you Arthur. Because Merlin said... Prof- you, I I trusted you. Yeah, I put my faith in you. Right, right. So it's and very, you, very similar. Yeah, it to was. Me. It was very. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So, it was really interesting seeing because we had asked and, and we already mentioned this, but mm-hmm. seeing all the dark ones together in in uh, one room. And a lot like of a, them creepy, creepy, yeah. glowing fire eyes. Look like tall jaw was. You know, I I don't want to get all the jokes <laughs> out. Look. The, the jokes are going to permeate every <laughs> once upon sure a time podcast out there. Sure, they will. They I'm did. Trying to be, they but, did. Yeah. They did kind of so. look like very tall jawless. They were creepy, 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 and you know they were. I I thought it was very fascinating that Rumple started off going. You know he was there, and then Nimue said, "I you know looking through Rumple's eyes for a while was fine." 
but you know what? I had to see the yeah, which is very. It's a very interesting concept again of you know all of them in there all at one time and being able to split themselves out like that. It was creepy weird. It 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 looked like weird cult scenes from weird movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, eyes wide shut. I haven't seen the whole thing, but I know that people wore masks and things. And it was also on uh, Da Vinci Code, people wearing masks. And, yeah. So th- this whole thing of masks and so anyway, it's kind of strange. But um, the sword got reunited mm-hmm. and it was floating there. Yeah. And I think it's like with every thing. And I think it's going to be the same thing with that ring later on at some point. Is that you remember yeah, yeah. when when people say, don't go down this path because this is going to happen one day. It happened to me. Don't do it. And you go, no, 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 that's well, not me. Think about I can, it. I can handle it. And think you- about it. That whole scene happened because Rumpel started it and said, take the power. Right. And they all went, take the power, take the power, take the right. power. All these little whispers, take the power. It was creepy, creepy, creepy. And then they all stopped as she reached for it. The minute they stopped, they were not in her head anymore. And it was Emma in her own quiet head. Mm-hmm. And then she all of a sudden heard Merlin in her head. She remembered that. She had that memory, that deja vu came back. And that's when she stopped. What was interesting is we also skipped this fairly what i thought was kind of an important interesting scene was after she took the ember from right. nimue yeah and she held on to it and then nimue you know was yeah, gone yeah, yeah. Yeah. and merlin said you you did the right thing mm-hmm. you you chose the right path how did it feel and when she responded that was like a pretty powerful moment well, I got to be honest, it felt pretty damn good. And and it was the opposite of when Rumpel talked to Regina and said, how did it feel? Yeah. How did it feel? You know, yeah. so it was the opposite because that was for, you know, taking the other path at yeah. that point for Regina. It, it's interesting because I think any type of power, mm-hmm. a taste of power will give you that rush. And I think that's what that did. It wasn't necessarily an evil thing, so to speak. Like, it wasn't like, you know, a taste of evil. I don't think that's right. not what I felt. But it was literally a taste of power. And the difference is, what do you use that power for? True. And, and I I just, I want to say this is that we, I hear a lot about um, girl power, taking things on, being strong, being whatever. And I think that there is, like you said, there is power for good mm-hmm. and power for evil. Right. And so it it is, why are you doing this? And what's your motivation behind what's it? What's your motivation? What is it for? Mm-hmm. So we already discussed Nimue's use of power. Right was set up for revenge from the very beginning. Yeah. She wouldn't even, like I said, it was a very sad, awful situation that Absolutely. happened to her It's understandable. Her Look, it's understandable. But, but, but it's it, still. I mean, we, we talked about the price. Choice. The right. price. Right. When you take that power for evil, there's a cost. Absolutely. And, and it's a much higher cost. Right. It's funny how the cost for taking power or wielding whatever you know for everything is much higher and much more devastating when it's for the wrong reason it can be a pretty great cost when it is for the right reason but it's easier to bear i i guess what i was getting at with my statement a few seconds ago was that sometimes it sounds like good for mm-hmm. you know a woman to be strong and take the power but in our the way we talked about it later is what's your motivation though right if it's for good then have at it take the power yes mm-hmm. good yeah. but make sure you have the right motivation for it and but like i was saying a while back is that there's warnings for different things in your mm-hmm. life and sometimes you go eh 
They don't know what they're talking about. I'm me. I can handle it, whatever it is. But then you hit that point. I mean, there's stories in the Bible, you know, when the prodigal son hits that point and said, and then he had a clear head and a clear moment and he remembered. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. When you hit that point, you think back to when someone warned you. Right. Right. And you go, man. I never thought I would go down this far. I never thought I would be here. And now the warning returns. And I it said, leave it alone. Right. Leave that sword alone. Don't don't mess with it. Yeah. And she grabbed it. She did. But I don't think I think she is fully in control mm-hmm. of what she's gonna use it for. Absolutely. And I think it's for good. Absolutely. Because that's what's interesting about the sword. We know that it can either destroy darkness or destroy the light. Sure. And so I think she's definitely going to use it for the right way. Mm-hmm. Now, is it going to be easy? No, no. because Nimue is going to be pestering and pestering and pestering her to do what she should, what Nimue thought she should have done before. Right. And she has to overcome that. But that's going to be the struggle, definitely, for Emma. And I think the ring's going to come into play. And I think, anyway, we'll, we'll see. There are going to we'll be some happens. sacrifices that are going to have to be made. And unfortunately, I worry that it will be somebody near and dear to her heart who's going to end up making a sacrifice somehow. Well, but But I think that it will ultimately end up very well because that's how it has to. I mean, that's just, that's how the thing, how things work. But I do agree that I think, especially since she made the point of asking, do you think, asking Merlin, do you think it's possible? Is it possible to use the darkness for good? And when he said the right person, not now, but maybe the right person, you know, will come along that will be able to do so. And maybe that was him telling her, you know, you may be the right person, but you need to be careful. Or maybe it was a challenge. You are the right person. Take me up on this. Make it happen. You know, make the right choice. And that's when he said she passed the test, which means maybe he did believe she is the one who can do it. I still I still believe with every fiber of my being that she is faking this dark one yeah. crap in order to get done what she needs to get done. And in order to help everyone else, she can't just do it all for them. That's not how life works. You have to help somebody. You, if you really want something to be done right, you help somebody figure out how to help themselves. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, you teach somebody how to yeah. help themselves. So you right. don't always hand things to them and give them what they need, you know, just because they quote unquote need it. You, you, you teach them. If you fish for a man, you give him a fish, you feed him for a day. You teach him to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Yep. So it, that's the the difference here is I think she is, you know, she's, yeah, I, I think that's what's going on. And I think that she is doing this because she knows that this will cause, you know, Regina to finally once and for all be on the right path and it'll cause her parents to do what they need to do. And I think it'll be a good lesson thing for Henry. Well, Henry still needs to be called back in as an author. And Absolutely. To, uh, Absolutely. And I, I don't think we're, we're there yet, Nope. but, but like we I are said, getting an episode entitled souls of the departed. And I uh, think that yeah. is going to come into play yeah. as far as people that she knows and really cares about telling her yeah maybe the the that she can't do the wrong thing she has to do the right thing perhaps so i'm i'm yeah i like i said and and then as far as you know you asked this question earlier which is still an open-ended question we don't know what did they do to her that she feels they need to be punished i don't think they did anything i think that she's doing that to kind of prompt them to fight hard to find a way to free her from this so that you know what i'm saying i think that's her way of getting them to do it because if if she just is the dark one but doesn't like give them a reason to think she's really gone dark they're not gonna then they think that she's there you know as emma the savior once again they'll rely on her to save them once again do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think she's doing this to strengthen them. That's just me. That is exactly what I think. So. All right. That's it. And 
That was a great episode. That it really, really, it really was. Episode. And so in your uh, feedback, which I hope that you are either sending in or calling in, is that kind of give us your feedback as far as questions that, that we asked. Can you use, can darkness be used for good? Can mm-hmm. that power? Yeah. Can What did the, the others do to Emma mm-hmm. to... You know, have we seen it yet or or have we not seen it yet? So let's uh, we want to hear your thoughts on our first thoughts. And that's that's the way that works here. So before we go, I just want to send big love out to everyone. Mm -hmm. Big love is so big that you can't keep it all to yourself. And why would you? You don't want to hoard that. You want to take what you need and then give on the rest to somebody else because others need it, too. So until next time, I, I think we've covered everything. Yeah. If she can think of something else. Nope. Okay. Until next time, this is Jeff and Colleen Roney saying goodbye. See you later. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. This is a Roney's Own Media production. Our website is onceuponatimepodcast.com. You can contact us by going to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash contact. You can also connect with us on social media by going to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash connect. If you enjoy what we do and would like to support us, we invite you to go to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash support. There's a number of ways that you can help us out, and we truly thank you for it. The Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast, where you experience more of the magic of ABC TV's Once Upon a Time.